Thank you for joining us for um, another lesson in the book of Isaiah. My name is Gregory Baines, and I'm on staff here at FBC Keller. I'm glad to be back with you. Uh, Today we are going to be looking at one of the most important chapters in the entire Bible, I think, Isaiah 53. Uh, So go ahead and grab your Bible, turn to to Isaiah 53. Um, Just to give us a little context um, where we are in the book of Isaiah, the last couple chapters there have been um, a lot of talk of wrath for the children of Israel. They have been given some uh, descriptive words to describe their their situation. And uh, here in 53, we're going to see the hope given. And really at the end of 52, starts to get into the hope of the, the servant that will come um, and restore Israel. But let's read a little bit of 51, uh, 17 through 20 just to kind of get an idea of where we are with the children of Israel in the book of Isaiah. 51.17, Isaiah 51.17 says, Rouse yourself, rouse yourself, arise, O Jerusalem, you who have drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger, the chalice of reeling you have drained to the dregs. There is none to guide her among all the sons she has borne, nor is there one to take her by the hand among all the sons she has reared. These two things have befallen you. Who will mourn for you? The devastation and destruction, famine and sword. How shall I comfort you? Your sons have fainted. They lie helpless at the head of every street, like an antelope in a net, full of the wrath of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not a very fun place to be. This is why uh, this chapter partially, is so important and amazing for the timing here in 53, um, where we get to, to, when we get to it. But first, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask Him to bless our time today in our study. Father, thank You for Your Word that is rich, that is true, that is good for us and is profitable for us. Thank You that it sharpens us and, and Lord, that it is sharp itself and cuts us deep to our hearts and changes us and makes us more like you, that it reminds us of truth and um, reveals who you are to us. And uh, we thank you for this chapter of the, on the suffering servant and the prophecy given about the Messiah and God, how your word, um, though it was written uh, over a long period of time and by many different authors, always lines up with itself and because you were the author that wrote it. And we thank you that we can trust your word and, and even the proof here today that your word affirms itself. God, thank you um, that you are, are so good to us and, and that you are gracious to us and you are gracious to the Israelites. And um, thank you, Lord, for, for your word. I pray you bless our time together in it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's look, flip over to Isaiah 53, just turn the page, and we will um, read this whole chapter, and then we're going to go back and break it down into little little chunks. So Isaiah 53, verse 1, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. 
Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before his, its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was due? His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Now, this is a wonderful um, chapter in Scripture for us especially at the end, but we're going to go through and kind of walk through what this says about Jesus, who he was or who he will be in this um, time that it was written, the prophecy, um, what he will do, and then what will be accomplished through what he's done. So let's go back to verse 1, Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. So what's the, the first thing we see here is that he was not a handsome man. Um, in our modern depictions of Christ, it is, he is usually played by a very um, handsome, kind of rugged-bearded, uh, European Jesus that is not historically accurate and, and not what Jesus would have looked like. Um, he was not Jim Caviezel. He was um, an ordinary looking guy. Um, there was no form or appearance that would attract him, but um, he was different. And, and we see all throughout the New Testament, people would come to him and there was something different about him because he was the Messiah. He was fully God, um, but he was not a physically handsome man. And I think that's important for us to remember that God's economy is, is different. Um, God doesn't need a, an incredibly handsome man to accomplish his purposes. Uh, he was working through through the servant here, through his son, Jesus. Uh, what's the second thing we see? Verse 3, he was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. So he was not um, revered necessarily. I mean, he had followers, but but he was definitely um, an outcast. You know, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He was homeless and did.
did not have a bank account and a 401k. Um, he lived on the edge of society, Jesus did, in his ministry. So we see that the servant um, was unique in, the, in these ways, uh, that it was going to be a rough time for him in this prophecy here. And then we see that in Jesus' life. He was definitely despised. The, the establishment, the Pharisees, the, the order, the religious order of the day did not esteem Jesus, but they despised him and attacked him and, and ultimately um, worked to have him, him killed. Um, but we see that, that no one takes his life later. He will lay it down. But this is who he was, a man of sorrows, despised, not a handsome man, um, acquainted with grief, rejected. People wouldn't even look at him. This is, this is the, the suffering servant. This is the Messiah that has come. Now, verse 4, we get to see what the, the servant will do. The, the servant will do. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. So we see that the servant bore the griefs and the sorrows of the, the people he came to save. Yet, they were not loving and embracing of him. and Instead, they esteemed him stricken. Oh, he is cursed by God. Um, but we see that what he did was he was pierced for their transgressions, their sins, and for ours. And he was crushed for our iniquities. And our chastening fell upon him, and by his scourging we're healed. Now, we know that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood, according to Hebrews 9.22. This is why the servant must become um, a, a sacrifice, pierced and crushed and, and scourged. I mean, this is uh, the punishment for the transgressions of others he is taking upon himself. Now, in our modern time, uh, this is a verse, Isaiah 53.5, that is misquoted and um, taken out of context and used for a false gospel and a um, false narrative. This is, this is not saying that we are physically healed by the stripes of Jesus. And if we just claim that physical healing, then we will be free from all Ill, illness and have enough faith and, and we will be healed. That, that is a lie from Satan. Um, he has healed us spiritually, that we don't have to suffer for eternity. This is where the healing is. This is not about our physical healing. Now, certainly God is the one who is the healer, the sovereign king of all, and whether he uses doctors or miraculously heals, he is the one who heals. But um, we are not called to claim a some sort of sickness-free, um, never pain in our life kind of fairy tale land where we don't get hurt and we don't get sick. In fact, Scripture says the opposite. Now, suffering will come. We are going to um, join in the suffering of Christ and through persecution and, and through this world. But um, we should consider it joy when we experience those trials and not seek to, to be free from them all the time. So if you ever hear, oh, we're by his stripes, we're healed. You just pray that that, that cough will go away, that sneeze. That, that is not what the Scripture is talking about. It's about our salvation and we are healed through the sacrifice of the lamb there. So, verse 6, All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. 
Christ became the um, what we call substitutionary atoning sacrifice for us. He took our place, the substitute, and atoned for our sin through his sacrifice, through his blood, like Hebrews 9.22. Um, that's how we can be forgiven because of what the servant has done, what Jesus has done. Now, we look at verse 7, and we continue. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people, to whom the stroke was due? His grave was assigned with wicked men. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. But he was oppressed and afflicted, um, but he did not cry out. This was an unrighteous judgment that was put upon Jesus. He did not deserve to die. He did not deserve to be beaten and crushed and nailed to a cross. Um, yet he did not cry out. Um, when I was younger, I would read uh, the accounts of the gospel and Jesus before the, the priests and the Pharisees and before Pilate and, and go, man, why doesn't he just give the defense? Look, I, I never never said that. I was talking about this or no, that's a lie. That's not true. But instead he remained silent. And even when asked, are you the Messiah? He goes, it's, it's as you say. Like it was not Jesus's job to try and uh, get out of this because he was laying down his life. No one was taking it from him. In an instant, he could have had all of heaven um, all the angels around him to deliver him and protect him and, and could have brought down fire all over those people. He was still fully God, even though um, he was fully man as well. He laid down his life. He humbled himself and, and took our pain, um, took our punishment that we deserve. Um, so when you think of Jesus going to the cross, don't think of a victim. He is not a victim. Um, he is a conquering king that is going to conquer sin and death. Um, through his death and by his blood. And I, I think we miss that sometimes. I saw a bumper sticker that said, if Jesus would have had the Second Amendment, he wouldn't have died on the cross. And it just hurt my heart so much because that is such a misunderstanding of the gospel and what Jesus did. Um, no one took his life. He lays it down. And that was prophesied, you know, hundreds of years before and, and we see more prophecy here. Verse 9, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. So um, Jesus was killed with, with thieves, with wicked men. And if it wasn't for Joseph of Arimathea, he would have probably been buried with those wicked men. So a grave assigned with them. And then instead he was with a rich man in his death. He was buried in like a rich man in a tomb. And um, this is a very specific, unique situation, prophecy. And, and the book of Isaiah is full of these, as is the Old Testament, about the Messiah, about the suffering servant. And, and Jesus fulfilled every prophecy that was written in the Old Testament. Um, or the prophecy is, is about end times that is to come when he comes conquering. Um, we see that in Revelation, how he will fulfill those um, there are still some that we are waiting to see the fulfillment on, but as the Messiah coming in, in the first incarnation, he has fulfilled all these different things that there's no way one person could have done. It's just impossible. And and this here was written over 600 years before Jesus was even born. Um, so it's amazing that God works together and, and for us because we are 
of little faith sometimes that we need these things to remind us, man, God has definitely written the scripture. Um, He is the author, and we see um, just how the scripture proves itself in this way. Things written long before are fulfilled later. Um, And man, praise the Lord for that, because we we need those those helps sometimes. Um, But this was of God. This was not of men. And we see that this was the plan all along from Isaiah 53.9. Now we see what will be accomplished here in, in verses 10 through 12 through the sacrifice of the servant. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. We see first that, that God would prolong his days because um, he had crushed him. Now, um, some people have a hard time here with Isaiah 53.10 that the Lord was pleased to crush him. Um, does that mean that, that God is uh, malevolent or or that he is a angry and, and full of hate kind of God? No, no. The, the, the Lord was pleased to crush him because this was the plan. Um, this was the fulfillment of what we've been building to throughout the whole Old Testament, through all of human history, that the Lamb is slain. And the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. This is the plan all along, that the Lord would crush him and put him to grief. But we see the reward of the servant's suffering. He will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, will justify the many and as he will bear their iniquities. The doctrine of justification here, that that Jesus um, would justify those who are are not worthy of justice or who are not um, worthy of being called um, clean and free and forgiven Jesus bore their iniquities and took their punishment so that we could be justified before the Father um, and all who would come to him as he bore their iniquities upon himself. Therefore, because of this, I, this is the Lord speaking, will allot him a portion with the great. He will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Christ stepped in and and interceded for us um, and for all transgressors here we see. And he was rewarded and great is his reward. And because of what he has done from the New Testament, we learn we also get to participate in that reward that we are justified and adopted and called children. And it's all because of the work of the cross, because of God's redemptive plan we see God's love, God's justice, his wrath, all in one place working together to bring about his plan for his glory. And it works out for our good because he is such a good and kind God. He is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. He is justice. Um, he is merciful. He is kind and, and patient with us. And we see... Um, his love for us here, that's kind of the easy thing to see, but we see ultimately what God's main concern is, his, his glory, the ultimate good that he would make much of himself. And we see how Christ accomplished that as the suffering servant here in Isaiah 53. So 
praise the Lord this week. Um, be reminded of the gospel. It's not something you should get over. Um, take joy in who Jesus is. Um, remember what he has done. Run to him when you sin, because he has borne that, that sin on the cross. He has covered it. Um, confess your sin. Trust him. And ultimately, um, let it lead you to, to praise and worship him this week as, as you meditate on this scripture. Um, let's praise the Lord together now. Father, thank you for your plan, your redemptive plan to, to rescue us from the domain of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of your Son. And We know that um, you work in ways that are above us and, and you do things that are hard for us to comprehend, but thank you that you have revealed your plan to us. Even here in Isaiah, you were revealing it to Israel and, and we get to look back and see that this was the plan all along, that Christ would come and suffer and lay down his life and be rejected and despised and bear the wrath um, for our sin and that we wouldn't have to experience, Lord, but we could come to you and repent and believe and follow God and you would justify us and give us a new nature and call us yours and um, give us a share of that reward in Christ. You are, are so good to us and we don't bring anything to you. We don't deserve anything from you, but you are are just so good that you have given this to us and we worship and praise and thank you for Jesus and the cross and the justification and the resurrection that you will prolong his days and, and give him great reward and, and we um, are just so humbled and, and thankful and I pray for my brothers and sisters that we would um, just be stirred up to love you this week and, and to um, run to you always and trust you because you are a good God. Thank you for your word again and, and for how um, faithful you are to us and, and, and have proven yourself faithful throughout all of history. And, um, we just give you praise and worship and, and for you are a good God. In Jesus' name, amen.